Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Advocate Hemingway. Today we are talking about the Museum of Charles X, which I have never heard of, and I've lived in Paris for 10 years. So Claudine is going to give us the inside scoop of this secret museum, and I'll let her take it from here. Well, it's not exactly that you missed it. It's It doesn't really exist anymore, but... <laughs> okay! <laughs> it's within the Louvre, which is my favorite thing, um, and it was once part of that. So it was once part of the Louvre itself. Charles X was the second to the last king of France. He wanted to leave his mark on the Louvre, like all of them did that before him. And he was kind of, um, at the time, anything that had to do with like Egypt and was was huge. Like there was a whole movement and that's why you we have a pyramid and the, the um, obelisk and all this kind of stuff. So in 1824, he sent Jean-Francois Champollion to Egypt to view the collection that was for sale. Champollion was a huge lover of, of Egyptian antiquities, and he was the one who deciphered the Rosetta Stone. Oh, wow. Smart dude. Which is coming up to a very huge anniversary this year. I think it was 200 years ago, um, this September, that he deciphered it. Um, I should do a whole episode about him because he's really fascinating. Um, the next year, he ended up buying the collection of Edme Antoine Durand that was also of Roman um, and Egyptian uh, antiquities. It was over 2,500 art objects. He um, bought the collection of Charles uh, Henry Saul, who, well, that was 4,000 pieces, and then also the Dovelti collection. These three collections became the basis of the Egyptian and um, Roman Louvre collection that they had, that Champollion served as a curator starting in May of 1826. No way. So the rooms that we're talking about and the Louvre itself which we've talked about a few times, but we need to, I'll have to do like a, I don't know, four month series of the history of the Louvre. Um, you know, it used to be a palace and when it was a palace, it had different functions. Um, and some of these things still remain. And these are some of my favorite parts of the Louvre, especially when you go into the rooms that also have these amazing ceilings. And that's exactly what these rooms are. These rooms um, are on the uh, Sully wing. If you're coming away from the Denon wing, like you've just seen uh, the Mona Lisa and Wing Victory, if you go through that door and head towards, towards um, the east through the Sully wing, you will run right into these rooms. They were originally the winter apartments of Anne d'Autriche, the mother of uh, Louis XIV, because, of course, you have a winter apartment and you have a summer apartment. 
Of course you do. Pierre-Francois Fontaine renovated these rooms from 1819 to 1827. It was a salon of living artists. And this is where the artists like Jacques-Louis David actually lived in the Louvre for a period of time um, under Louis XIV. After Louis was like, forget it, we're, I'm leaving, I'm going to Versailles. These He let the artists, this is also where they had the academies um, that are now across the river over at the Institut de France. They were all set up there. And so these artists had their ateliers and were living in there until Napoleon kicked them out. So it um, kicked them out. <laughs> yeah. The, it is a series of nine rooms that lead one into the other. The first rooms were open December 15th, 1827 and have a Egyptian theme. Um, and the first four rooms evoke the stories of uh Homer, Pompeii, Herculean, and the collection was originally basically intended to reflect um, what was on the ceiling and what was the art that was in the room. Today, they are the ancient Egyptian galleries on the first floor of the Sully Wing. That's so interesting that artists used to live in there, too. Like, Yeah. It is really cool. Yeah. Like Jacques-Louis David. And so, you know, a lot of these, you know, because people were also the artists that we've talked about like Manet and Bert Mori. So they came there to copy, which artists still do today. They came there to copy and that's how they would study and learn, especially for women artists. Um, you know, they, they were restricted from doing a lot of things. They weren't ever allowed to paint like a live naked model or anything like that. Um, but these artists had their ateliers right there in the loop. Can you imagine? That's no. Insane. No, I can't. I would like to, I would like to live in the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> I could just move into the apartments of Napoleon III and I could just be there on hand each day to answer questions. Yeah. And you could have like the best parties. I, would I know. That would be pretty cool. So <laughs> the first room um, is, uh, is it, they and these each go like they have these huge archways so you could keep going all the way through them the very first room that you walk into um at the time charles x tapped like the most prominent artists of the time the first room um is the ceiling is really amazing it was uh painted by jean auguste dominique Angre. he um did this fantastic painting that was inspired by raphael um the the whole project came together in like record time. Fontaine finished construction in just two years on these rooms. And the painters um, were able to do this very quickly. The first room, the painting is the Apotheosis of Homer. And it is in the center. Homer is being crowned with a laurel wreath by victory in front of a Greek temple. And is, a, is surrounded by the great men of uh, Greece and Rome. And also a few um, of the more modern artists like Raphael and Michelangelo. Um, had Alexander the Great. Dante's in there with Virgil. Um, Jean de La Fontaine. Mozart. Shakespeare. Moliere. Poisson. Racine. And Corneille. Um, that's a really, really cool. And you just, it, by the time you walk through, if you spend a lot of time in these and hopefully you just take, this as one of those podcast episodes you could just take with you, <laughs> your neck will hurt by the time you get done because you are constantly just cranking your head up to see. Um, and all of this is not only just the ceiling, but then they do the archways, um, and the whole sides of the wall coming down. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, Odyssey is, you know, Homer's most famous, two of his most famous works. 
Um, Odyssey is in green, um, that she is right below him, and Iliad is in red. Um, as the romantic movement movement came through, and here's my friend Delacroix that I'm going to try to work into every episode from now on. Okay. He, um, that was basically what was huge in time in in France, and that we just talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, but Angre had a very deep rivalry with these people, and he was like, "No, I'm sticking to my classic ways. This is how the composition is supposed to be done." And so he was really trying to stick it to this. In 1855, the painting was actually removed from the ceiling and was replaced with a copy by Paul and Raymond Baus. Um, the original, though, is hanging in the Salle Denon, which is the same um, two red rooms that have um, where you can find Liberty Leading the People and the Sacre de Napoleon. Um, so it's a little easier to look at and really see in, in, when it's up on the wall. Um, but it's an amazing, amazing painting. The Griselle, which is um, which is all in kind of um, it means when it's all in like gray gray colors um, on the top of the wall have different scenes from Homer's uh, works, and then Nicola Gross um, in also added his touches with the departure of Ulysses under under the protection of Minerva. So all of these things, and then you have to remember that these things on the ceiling corresponded with the art that was originally in these rooms. Oh, so it all went together. It all went together, which is really cool. The second um, room is, um, is the ceiling is crowned with Vesuvius receiving from Jupiter, the fire that will consume Pompeii. It is by Francois Joseph M. Um, Vesuvius is there and these things? I'll put all these pictures um, on the website so you can see all of the ceilings. Um, the three cities that are there Herculeum, Pompeii, and Stubby they are all basically like reaching towards Jupiter um, as Minerva is like tries to stop, like, please don't do you know, the cities are basically like, please don't do this because Vesuvius, of course, is, uh, is also the um, volcano that destroyed, destroyed them. So it, these are it's really amazing to see when you know the story of um, you know Pompeii and everything that happened yeah. um, on the arches. There's six scenes um, that are of the destruction caused by the eruption and Piney, um, the uh, Piney, the elders' death, and the younger um, are also seen writing letters. There's it, also eight medallions that represent um, the different. Uh, genies, um, which were like, you know, little angels. Those were all done by Nicola Gros. Um, and there's a chimney in the room too, that is painted in Pompeii red, which is the color of red that they found on the walls of the frescoes in Pompeii, which is also colors of the two rooms that I mentioned that have the apotheosis and also the liberty leading the people. And that's called Pompeii red. And the rooms have always been that color. They, from the very beginning, they've always been Pompeii red. I always wonder why they were so red. It doesn't yeah. seem like it always goes with every painting. Because it's the best color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the third room is the nymphs of the Parthenon taking their uh, penance to the banks of the Seine. And this one's done, done by Charles Meunier. The um, pediment of the ceiling uh, is basically it's a, a historical allegory of the um, the 
people that are like basically you see this pile below it of um like antiquities and and statues and things because they're like now we're taking these things we're going to take these take these things from here so it's also also very you know reminiscent of what they were doing at the time the stuff there's a lot of misconceptions about some of the the I've heard people think that the entire collection of the Louvre was stolen by Napoleon from other places. He did take a lot of things, but the majority of that stuff all went back after he lost power. Um, but these collections that were in these rooms were all purchased. Like they were outright purchased, brought back. So it wasn't that they looted all of these things. Um, yeah. The it's, it's really interesting to see the, I love that ceiling. Um, the fourth room um, it was one of the last ones to be finished and it was finished in 1832 because it replaced a previous painting that was a Francois Premier receiving the works of Italy that you can now see in the rooms that run alongside of it that are the, the gallery Campana, which have been closed for like a year and a half. Um, they've been doing work. The work is almost done. So I'm really hoping those rooms are going to be done. Um, those also have amazing ceilings. And so I will share all of those another time. Um, but the rooms are really, really interesting and nobody ever goes in there. Like these, the rooms that we're talking about today are more people are going through there because they're lost. Yeah. <laughs> they're lost. <laughs> and, but the rooms next to it, and then they have these windows and they overlook um, you never, never pass up a chance in the Orsay or any museum and the Louvre to not every, anytime you see a window that is open, always look out it because sometimes like this one overlooks the Pont des Arts and the Institute de France and over to Saint-Germain. It's really, really pretty. Um, the current ceiling on it now is Sybil, who's protecting against Vesuvius, the cities of uh, Pompeii, by Francois-Edouard Picot. Um, it was believed that Alexander Fragonar painted the areas on the side of it. Um, the painting itself is very, very dark. It's kind of hard to really get to see it. Um, the one of Francois Premier, who's also one of my favorite, would be really um, cool to see. Um, the one right where his painting is, there's also another painting on the ceiling of uh, Francois Premier at the bedside of Leonardo da Vinci on his deathbed. Oh, I want to see that one. Yeah, there's other ceilings in the Louvre too. There's even one that we'll talk about a different day that has George Washington in it. Wait, what? Yeah, I know. Random, right? There is a painting <laughs> and it is over where they used to have some of the minister's offices. And it's, I don't know why. It's very difficult to find the information, like really detailed information about these paintings. I'm going to talk to somebody um, in the history of the Louvre department about them to see if I could find out more information. Um, but one of them actually has like I looked up one day and I was like, that guy looks like George Washington. And then I started, <laughs> I actually found some information in these this huge three volume set I have about the history of the Louvre. And it is George Washington. That is so funny. I'm going to find George so random. Uh, the center of the nine rooms is this really cool room. It's the Salle des Colons. It was built by Louis Laveau under um, Louis XIV before he left Paris. Fantin gave it this update. Um, it at one point was used for the ex exhibition of the industrial products. On uh, the 17th to the 22nd of February 1820, it was used as a chapel for the body of the ceremony of the Duc de Berry who had been killed outside of the opera at the Palais Garnier. He was a son of Charles X. Um, in 1825, the work continued on um, the, this room by Antoine Jean Gros, 
began to um, co construct the ceiling. And the ceiling is, isn't just one big, huge ceiling. They have these columns. Um, there's a, in the very center of it, it's really cool. It's glory based on the virtue, Mars listening um, in moderation and time elevated to truth, um, the throne of wisdom. So quite the, you know, quite the regal mouthful. <laughs> Around it, it has all of these different smaller paintings um, of the different people that were involved in the Louvre. So you have Augustus, um, who was one of the first, you know, he basically started the Louvre. And then around him is there's like books and scrolls of and they have each one of them is is uh, is attached to who was big at that time. Virgil and Horace were um Big for him. Leon X, who was a pope, um, has Raphael and Michelangelo. You have Francois Premier with uh, Leonardo, of course, and Louis XIV with Charles Lebrun, um, Moliere, Le Sour, and Fantin. There's also Charles X and uh, Persiles. And it's really cool. Around the very center of it, it has like a great big wreath, and then it has these ribbons that go around it. And each one of them has all these different names of um, generals and officers and artists in French history. It's really, really cool. Underneath it, it has these really cool cases that are filled with like um, Egyptian jewelry. Oh. And um, it's always, it's really, really, the room itself is beautiful. They've been working on it for a while. So like a lot of the cases will be filled with things, but there's no, um, there's no little plaques or any info on what they, what they're doing. So I'm hoping that they're going to be done with that pretty soon. Cause it, I would love to find out more information, but it always makes me think of, um, if you saw the first Wonder Woman movie and it starts that she's working at the Louvre, which I love. And <laughs> So every time I go there, because the wedding looks kind of like something Wonder Woman would wear, I always think that's where she kept her jewelry. <laughs> I, I mean, you could be right. <laughs> and I just love that. Um, it's a really, really neat room to see. The sixth room um, was uh, done by Francois-Edouard Picot, and it is the study um, and the genie reveals ancient Egypt to Greece. Um, hmm. This one is Egypt, Egypt is seen seated and surrounded by antiquities. Um, Pico also painted the arches with Egyptian imagery. So this side of it is more is all like Egypt, um, these last four rooms. The red background um, is really beautiful and offsets this gorgeous garland that goes around. Uh, Gros and Vichon also depicted the birth of the arts all in the gray uh, area of the wall. The garland design was um, inspired by the Villa Albani that's in Rome. It's so all around Europe. It's all, it's all around Europe. Um, the seventh room is a very Egyptian painting. It's done by Alexander Denis Abel de Pujol. It's uh, Egypt saved by Joseph. Joseph had um, saved the starving people by providing grain and then allowing them to barter their livestock for food. Once the people had become hungry again, um, they they try to basically sell off, uh, sell themselves into slavery to the Pharaoh. Um, but he brokered a deal with the Pharaoh to allow them to keep the land and give the Pharaoh 20 percent of the profits. Um, the bus, the sides of it, the voiceurs are four trompe l'oeil imitation bronze of the life of Joseph separated by the depiction of the flood of the Nile. And of course, Joseph, as we know of, you know, Mary and Joseph fame. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. um, Joseph is guarding the flock um, sold by his brothers. And then he's also explaining uh, Pharaoh's dreams. And uh, on either side of the of the two couples, they're holding a garland. Um, but it's very, very um, I mean, it's very Egyptian when you see it. There's there's no uh, there's no missing the point on that one. The. <laughs> Eighth, um, the second to last room was done by Horace uh, Vernet in 1826. It, it was painted um, Jules II, ordering the work on the Vatican and Saint Pierre, Saint Peter's. Um, and around him stands Bramont, uh, Michelangelo, Michelangelo, and Raphael. They this one is really really cool to see. This one Michelangelo comes up a couple times in the Louvre if you really look for him, um, basically kind of presenting something. Um, they present the plans to the Pope. He later altered um, Abramal's, uh plan using an idea of the Greek cross for the Baroque Renaissance design. Um, Abel de Pajul painted the sides as well. Um, below that are medallions of the 14 Renaissance artists at that time, including da Vinci. The chimney of the room is really cool and has this bronze um, motif of a triumphant um, procession. Mm. So they each used to have their own um, chimneys and, and uh, fireplaces in each room. So it's really cool to also look at those. They have like a great big piece of like plexiglass in front of them. And then sometimes people just like throw garbage in it, which garbage makes me really happy. Um <laughs> The ninth and final room um, was done by Antoine Jean Gros. He painted, and it is the uh, genie of France, animating the arts, protecting and protecting humanity. Um, it was uh, Francis seen sitting on a throne with horns of plenty at her feet. Um, genies are flying through the air, representing the arts. The genie of France has a um, a, a blue blue with uh, red. Um, uh, plumes that she holds and represent and should actually represent Louis Philippe. Originally it did represent, um, it did represent Charles X, but then Charles Louis Philippe had it changed. The scene um, looks as if she is uh, pleading for her life and looking towards France to save her. That sounds disturbing. Yeah. Um, victory is coming down from the clouds with a laurel wreath, of course, you know, crowning that this is, uh, you know, this is the victor. The painting was done in 1833, replaces one that was previous there, previously there, um, dedicated to Charles X, basically showing how he was giving his art to the Louvre. The and very, our necks hurt a lot from staring upward. Yeah. The very famous Fragonard painted the gray area of it, um, and it was it's uh, it's really cool to see it. Um, it when you get to that when you get to that room, you're basically at the very far eastern corner, um, southeastern corner of the Louvre. There is a beautiful colonnade and staircase there at the end. If you go to the window, you can look over um, the Église Saint Germain l'Auxerrois, and that is actually exactly where Jacques Louis David's. Uh, atelier was in the Louvre um, and to the left of it is there is a bust of Champollion which just kind of stands there which is kind of cool it's almost like he's guarding what he um, brought to the Louvre oh, guarding what he brought to the Louvre and our friend Camille she's related to him I didn't know that yes she told me that her mother is related to Champollion well that makes sense because Camille's super cool 
I know. Very cool. He was amazing. He was like from a, as a child was like a genius um, that knew like uh, basically would could pick up languages without a problem. He learned so many different languages um, and he was ended up that he was brought in at one point to help decipher the Rosetta Stone. And he did just that. That's insane. I want to do an episode just on him. I'm so excited. We will. We will. We'll have to do one later this year when it's the 200th anniversary. But he, his um, office was on Rue Mazarin, which is just right behind the Institut de France. And that's where he was the day he figured it out. And he ran out to the street, street screaming, like, I did it. I did it. Wow. That's not a movie about him. Uh, Well, there probably is. There probably is in French. (laughs) Yeah, true. Well, guys, I hope you will take this episode and listen to it while you're at the loom, looking up at these beautiful ceilings. So much information. I hope you guys find George Washington as well. And make sure you head over to ClaudineHemingway.com for more information to connect with Claudine. Join her live walks every Sunday and tune in next week. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.